1: Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the sixteenth of July. You're listening to Community Radio Three CR. I'm Giselle Hanna, and taking you through to nine thirty this morning, Uh, Australia Asia. Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.awl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so you can also find us on those social media platforms. Uh, and we uh, post uh, news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. So if you're interested in pursuing any of the issues we're covering in the program, those are the places that you can go to do that. So, coming up on today's show, our feature interview in the second half of the program uh, is with Mikyung Ryu. Mikyung is from the International Relations Department of the KCTU, and this is the third part in our series on comrades that have been locked up. So, Pierre spoke with Mikyung about the uh, campaign to free comrade Han Sung-kyun, who is uh, the president of the KCTU, who was recently um arrested and sentenced to 5 years imprisonment for being a trade union organizer that is coming up in the second part of the program but of course first up news from around the region We're going to start in Thailand. As the date for the constitutional referendum approached in Thailand, the military junta is increasing its repression to any opposition. The military has basically banned any public discussion or campaigning on it. The proposed changes will basically give total power to the military even when a new non military government is formed. In a show of force this week, there were a number of arrests. Um, Those were journalists for having booklets that explain the proposed constitutional changes. These are not the final arrests over the referendum. So the referendum is coming up. We're still calling for Somyot to be freed, all the political prisoners in Thailand to be freed uh, abolishment of Article 112. So that is the Les Majeste law in Thailand and an end to the military dictatorship. And, of course, most of you will have woken up to the news this morning that there has been a military coup in Turkey. The military law was declared in Turkey last night, Um President uh, Erdogan, the Islamist president, who has dominated politics for more than a decade and sought to exert control on the armed forces, was forced to use his iPhone last night and use FaceTime to broadcast messages beseeching the public to resist the coup attempt. Uh, At this point, uh, Erdogan's whereabouts are not clear. The state-run Anadolu news agency said hostages had been taken and military headquarters in In Ankara, including the Armed Forces Chief of Staff, Uh, the events began to unfold late last night, roughly around 10 o'clock, as a military moved to stop traffic over two of Istanbul's bridges, which cross the Bosporus and connect the European and Asian sides of the city. In the back streets of Bayoglu in the European districts, bars and restaurants were showing footage on television of scenes at the bridge while partygoers were glued to their mobile mobile phones trying to learn what was happening. The abrupt turn in Turkey came as Erdogan has been battling a wave of deadly extremism by the Islamic State military group, struggling to accommodate hundreds of thousands of refugees from the war in neighbouring Syria and fighting a resurgent Kurdish rebellion in the Turkish southeast. Obviously, events continue to unfold in Turkey. We don't know much more about it than that. We certainly haven't seen any um, statements from our union partners and comrades over there but we will definitely be bringing you more news and information about that as it emerges but of course the left in turkey has much to learn from the military coups in in thailand and the situation that our comrades are finding themselves in there particularly as this referendum uh, approaches Moving now to Cambodia, political murder shocks Cambodian activists. This week, a prominent human rights activist, Kem Lei was murdered in broad daylight in Phnom Penh. This is not the first time that human rights and labour activists have been killed in the recent past. Kem Le's murder comes only days after an investigative report uncovered that Prime Minister Hun Sen's family had controlling stakes in companies valued at more than $200 million. This wealth is in stark comparison to the majority of workers who are still battling to win living wages. And we can't forget the um, campaign we saw recently to increase the minimum wage that saw um, 24 activists uh, arrested and imprisoned and two of them murdered on the streets as well. Moving now to Melbourne, Australia. It's now a month since 50 workers at Um, 50 workers that were employed by Carlton United Brewery were fired. They were then told that they could reapply for their jobs with another company that would then subcontract to CUB. Their new positions would be on individual contracts with no job security and reduced pay conditions. Um, you can visit them, so they're still calling for supporters on that picket. They're at 22 Southampton Crescent. It's it's a community picket, by the way. Um, Southampton Crescent in Abbotsford. You can also donate to their strike fund and we'll post details of that uh, on our webpage. CUB is part of the Sab Miller Group, the second largest brewer in the world, to effectively fight the power of global companies like Sab Miller Workers need to set up and take coordinated industrial actions at many of their sites across the world. United International Action is really the only way we're going to win this. Now to South Korea. A permanent protest camp has been in operation for many months outside Samsung's headquarters in Seoul. The Labour and health and safety activists have been protesting against Samsung's vicious anti union stance and the appalling health and safety practices that have caused the death of many workers. On the 28th of July, a major rally will be held at the protest camp to mark the 300th day of its presence. Now moving to the uh, the Middle East, uh, and this story comes from Jordan. Despite labour laws, South Asian workers suffer in Jordan's billion-dollar industries. Unlike other countries in West Asia, Jordan lacks petrodollars. In '96, an agreement with the U.S. gave the country preferential duty-free and quota-free access to the American market. This was the first such agreement with the U.S. Um, or that the U.S. has had with an Arab nation and it saw the establishment of what's called qualifying industrial zones, essentially an industrial zone created to service the export market. In 2000, a free trade agreement with the US furthered the relationship and also brought Jordan closer to Israel. As per the terms of that agreement, around 8% of the value addition for the products manufactured in these qualifying industrial zones must come from Israel. Today, garment exports earn Jordan upwards of $1.5 billion with earnings slated to further rise in 2016. Currently, there are 75 garment factories in Jordan's five major qualifying industrial zones. So initially meant to provide employment to Jordanians, the rise of the garment industry opened doors for skilled labour from South Asia, even as many entrepreneurs from India and later Pakistan and Sri Lanka found Jordan an ideal destination to invest in. The modern factories are nestled in beautifully designed industrial estates to cater and cater to a host of international brands like Victoria's Secret, Ralph Lauren Gap, Macy's and the like, and manufacture knitwear jeans, fashion apparel for the for the u s market. However, and we brought you these um, stories countless times before. The lives of the migrant workers generally hailing from the poorest regions of India, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka tell a different story about the dark reality of this billion-dollar export industry. This is despite Jordan having some of the most enlightened Labor laws in the world and having ratified and adhered to the norms of several major international conventions. I'm going to post details of um, that particular um, new report uh, breaking new information supposedly about the garment industry in Jordan. But we brought you these reports time and time again. The point is that the situation doesn't change, hasn't changed dramatically for migrant workers working in Middle Eastern countries. Migrant workers that largely come from Southeast Asia or South Asia. Now in the Philippines... Dozens have been killed in the first four days of Dutetra's drug war. At least 45 are dead after the New Philippines president pledged major operations against drugs and criminals. So at least 45 people who had suspected links to drug trafficking have been killed in four days since Rodrigo Dutetra was sworn in as the president of the Philippines. The um, So some of these reports come from a news station in the Philippines called ABS-CBN. They reported on Monday that at least 29 drug and robbery suspects were killed in Bulacan province near the capital of Manila since June the 9th uh, – sorry, since the 30th of June, which is when the new president took over. He was elected – on a law and order platform Um, basically he came in saying that he was going to effectively crush crime authorities said the suspects resisted arrest and that's why they were shot by the police nine other killings were reported in manila as i said dutetra won the election in may on a platform of crushing crime but his rhetoric has alarmed many who hear echoes of the country's authoritarian past and mostly that's the Dictatorship of Marcos. Um, The uh, news outlets in the Philippines have been broadcasting images of straw bodies of dead supposed criminals um, that were murdered in this particular um, offensive by um, authorities, but authorized by the new president. A local reporter also posted a photo of these bodies on Facebook. A bit of a shocking development in the Philippines, but of course uh, it's not the first time we've seen the government um, target uh, civilians um, and particularly people that they don't especially like. So these were extrajudicial killings, meaning none of these um, supposed criminals um, had gone to court, had been accused of specific offences for which they were tried and found guilty in, in a court of law. And our final story this morning comes from Turkey, from the coal mines of Turkey. Thousands of miners, politicians, NGOs and communities demonstrated against government attempts to privatise and close hard coal pits in the Zonguldak region in Turkey. The rally was organised by the General Mine Workers' Union, which represents hard coal miners in the region. It follows another large rally by miners in the centre of Zonguldak at the end of June, protesting against a government study recommending the privatisation and possible closure of the Turkish Hard Coal Agency. Uh, And that agency is in charge of state-owned hard coal mines in Turkey. The union reiterated its demands to increase production and employ 5,500 more workers for optimizing mining activities in the area. Zonguldak is the Turkish capital of the hard coal sector, which has been the main economic activity in the northwest Black Sea region since 1849. In times of economic difficulties, Zonguldak and hard coal mines have come under pressure from successive governments. In the early 90s, tens of thousands of miners and communities organised a historic march, which forced the government to withdraw its plans for privatisation and closure of pits. In the Zonguldak area, there are three main coal fields, namely, actually I won't go on to name them because they're Turkish names that I can't really pronounce, but these three, this particular area is renowned for fatal mining accidents and reports say that around 5,000 miners have lost their lives in Zonguldak. The most recent deaths were in January 2013 with eight fatalities and in May 2010 with 30 fatalities. The biggest number of fatalities in a single incident in the area occurred in 1992 in Kozlu when 263 miners were killed. Miners recently staged a hunger strike over unpaid wages in two coal mines in Zonguldak operating without authorisation. So some of those economic issues uh, may well form part of the backdrop to the current coup that we're seeing in Turkey. Of course, we have not a great deal of information and that situation is unfolding as we go to air. It's 14 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm going to go to some community announcements and then uh, our feature interview for the morning.
2: 3CR Showreel fundraiser, Thursday the 28th of July. Fallout, stunning documentary by Lawrence Johnson, starring Gregory Peck, Ava Gardner, Neville Shute and 1959 Melbourne, during shooting of On the Beach, with a side order of international fear of a nuclear holocaust.
0: Today, every inhabitant of this planet must contemplate the day when this planet May
2: no longer be habitable. Fallout, July the 28th, 7 p.m. Upstairs at 3CR, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy.
1: Ten dollars. Keep 3CR Radical Radio on the air.
2: Neville
0: Shute bought the most appalling concept of all to a mainstream audience. For me, it was real. It just penetrated every bone of my body.
1: It's 40 years that the station's been around. I hope it's around for the next 40 years. CR has been a trailblazer. It's still the leader and the benchmark in terms of actually engaging the community. The role it plays
0: is really, really, really important. And the role it plays in empowering people
1: on a personal level Empowering communities and giving communities the power to actually take a bit of control of their future cannot be underestimated. Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy, and you're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio. Subscribe now. It's 17 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Pierre Morrow interviewed Mikyung Ryu. She's the International Department of the Korean... She, She is the... Um, an officer of the International Department of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions. Um, He spoke with her about the sentencing of the president of the KCTU to five years in jail. Han Sung-kyun is not the only Labor leader to be facing jail at the moment, with the Korean government undertaking a harsh offensive against the Labor movement in South Korea.
0: Can you tell us the exact charges that Han Sung-kyun has been convicted of?
2: The prosecutions indicted him with some four articles in the Criminal Act and four articles in the Act on Demonstration and Assembly. That is special obstruction of public goods and special obstruction of uh, public duties to injure the public officials and so on. All the charges are related to the 13 different kinds of demonstration where he uh, just participated in or which he organized or hosts.
0: It's certainly a shock to everyone to hear that he was given such a sentence for such minor issues. Is there an ability to appeal this sentence?
2: Yes, our lawyers already appealed and uh, submitted a, a letter of appeal to the courts but it's very sh- uh, shocking that the prosecution also appealed to the court as well.
0: So is the prosecution asking for more than five years, the one that he's already been convicted of?
2: Yes, they, uh, it seems that they are not satisfied the five years in prison term.
0: A number of other labour activists, as I understand, are also facing similar charges and trials. Can you Mm -hmm. give us a quick rundown of how many are we talking about and uh, are they facing similar charges?
2: Yes, actually, in relation to the people's mass mobilisation on November 14th, last year 20 uh, was detained on trial and 13 are already released on bail or after conviction with some suspended sentences. And four are already uh, convicted and uh, serving their prison term. And we have three more officials who are waiting for the uh, final sentence. The sentence will be held on uh, 19th and 21st of July. And all of them are are facing the similar charges with our president. And the prosecution uh, is seeking for... Six years imprisonment for our uh, executive director of organization department, and five years imprisonment for the director of organization department of the KCPU and the vice president of the Korean Public Service and Transport Workers Union.
0: It's certainly very troubling. What do you say? And from here, it of, it seems very much that these trials are part of a government. Campaign against unions and organized labor in South Korea. Is that how you see it as well?
2: Yes, exactly. Actually, this criminalization and uh, judicial uh, harassment is happening in the middle of the government's plan for the regressive labor reform, and during the process, uh, the government tried to uh, demonize the organized and uh, workers and the trade unions. As a enemy of the unorganized workers or young people who are seeking for their job,
0: what effect has these trials and these uh, convictions on uh, your president, Mr. Han, and other South Korean unionists have had on the on the labor movement?
2: See, uh, in the sentence, the judge make it clear that all the Allegation, which was raised by uh, us, uh, for example, the ban, the pre-empty uh, ban on the reported uh, rally, and the settlement or establishment of the bus barricades in advance, yes, and uh, using the water cannon and chemical uh, materials against the protesters, uh, all uh, those actions were legitimate, according to the judge. So, uh, according to the sentence, any demonstration or rally which is not consulted with the police in advance or which is not controlled by the police is not allowed from now on. So, it's a huge suppression of the freedom of expression and freedom of assembly and demonstration and freedom of association as well.
0: Do you believe that the majority of South Korean workers see this as part of a wave of repression and an attempt to intimidate them so not to organise Mm. and take action?
2: Yes, it's our worry and the KCTU President Han Sang-gyun himself uh, said that this uh, is a part of intimidation against the organisers or union officials. So it's our worry
0: and in terms of where to now what actions or what plans do you as uh, as the KCTU or and or other unions uh, are planning to uh, support the jailed unionists but also to fight this repression
2: actually regardless of this court decision we are proceeding on the campaign against the labor the regressive labor reform which is driven by the government and for example, next week we'll, the KCT will hold uh, a nationwide de- decentralized nationwide de- uh, demonstration against the labor reform, the regressive labor reform, and the Terrible workers' union will go on a strike against the uh, mass layoff, which is driven uh, under the pretext of the economic crisis. And apart from this, we will prepare the the national people's mass mobilization, uh, which is similar to the November 14th of last year's one, but it would be uh, bigger than that, targeting for the uh, November 12th of this year. So uh, regardless of the court decision, we will uh, continue to exercise our fundamental rights uh, to protect workers' interests and rights. And apart from this, we will uh, launch a broader campaign to support the detained workers, especially uh, for the KCT new President Han sang And during uh, this campaign, we will show what is uh, justice.
0: That's great to, to hear, and we we'll look forward to hearing news about the, the actions that you're all going to take in the next few weeks and months. As a final question, what kind of international support and solidarity would you like that labour activists internationally take?
2: So, as I mentioned um, before, there will be there will be three sentencing trial next week and. It will be clear uh, after this uh, sentence and about the situation of the criminalization and prosecution against the uh, labor activists. So after that, we will uh, launch international or national campaign to support all the detained workers. And uh, in the course, we will make some concrete suggestions for uh, the, the trade unions and uh, labor organizations in the world. So it would be very helpful for us uh, if you can show the solidarity. Especially before the sentencing trial, many unions joined us to send a protest letter uh, to the Korean uh, President Park. And uh, after the sentencing, many of them said that the attack on uh, Han Sang-gyun and attack on the KCTU is attack on everyone in the uh, international trading movement because we are doing the same job so i hope many people join uh, this international campaign to support us
0: well thank you for that uh, mikyung and uh, i can uh, rest assured that um uh, certainly I can speak on behalf of our listeners here. We're all uh, very worried about you and we're all very supportive and we will certainly get involved in in support and solidarity for our uh, sisters and brothers in, uh, in South Korea because uh, your movement is very, very strong and we all have to fight together.
1: 3CR always bringing you the latest union news
2: they're coming you know after us at
1: the moment they want to get rid of penalty the rates the big push from businesses they want to get rid of all the things that you and i have fought for Don't you
0: know So there is tens of thousands of jobs gone contracted down. out to sham contracting arrangements
1: on 855am and on the web 3cr.org.au wasting <laughs> time It is 27 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents and that interview that you were listening to was between Pierre Morrow and Mikyung Riao, who is the International Officer of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions. Just in the closing minutes of the show, I want to announce uh, three, um, three public events that you should probably get along to. The first one is a solidarity event that is being held today. First Nations liberation, rise and war. War is a warriors of the Aboriginal resistance. They'll hold a first um, a First Nations refugee solidarity event at one o'clock today at Parliament House, Spring Street in East Melbourne. Then tomorrow, a Black Lives Matter solidarity rally will be held from twelve noon to three o'clock. That is Sunday the 17th of July at the State Library. And finally, the unveiling of a monument to honour all the victims of genocide and atrocity crimes. That unveiling is happening from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock tomorrow, Sunday the 17th of July at the Darabin Arts and Entertainment Centre on the corner of Bell Street and St George's Road. So those are three events coming up this weekend that you should probably get along to if you can. That's the end of Asia-Pacific Currents for this morning. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Saturday from 9 o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. But coming up next is Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.